We already know they came through Egypt, through the Red Sea. God delivered them to this point. If you remember, God wanted them to go into the Promised Land, straight from there, from from that uh, deliverance out of Egypt. But the people didn't have the heart, and they didn't have the will, for they got scared of the big people in the lands. So God turned them back and they went back into the desert. But at this point, God has killed off all those people, right? They died in in the desert. But yet, these are the children of those who were delivered out of Egypt. These children walked through the Red Sea. These children who are now adults have conquered certain portions before they cross over into the Promised Land. God gives them territory before He even crosses. So that's where we are in Deuteronomy 4 at this time. This may be a short sermon. There's a lot of verses to get through. This may be a little bit longer. Depends on how winded I get. That's just the way it goes whenever you're a pastor. It's only three pages long, which is normal for me. So we'll see how it goes. But in Deuteronomy 4, we pick up in verse 1. It says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land, which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding, commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. I'm so looking forward to getting into Deuteronomy 5, because it starts to teach us how to live out God's word. But this verse in um, 2, do not add to or take away from. Why is that there? I thought about that. And I believe God put it there for the Southern Baptists. Right? He also put it there because Jesus talks to the Pharisees and the Sadducees about you guys you guys aren't even going by what the Word of God says. But in my life I think it's for the Southern Baptist. When I was before I even went to Cal Baptist, I was being called by the deacons to become a protege of the deacons. I was starting to do more stuff with the youth. I was helping in the youth classes. So when they asked me, hey, would you like to go through these steps to become a deacon? I pulled aside the youth pastor. And his name happened to be Randy Stacks. And I said, Randy, let's talk about this process. I said, because I've been in a lot of the deacon homes. My family, my uncles, my dad, my grandfather, they're all deacons. He goes, yeah. And the problem is? I said, there is no problem. The problem is I read through all the requirements of a deacon. I said, my understanding is, God doesn't say to get rid of wine or to alcohol. He says to make sure you're not subject to it and have to live by it. And every deacon home, or a lot of the deacons' homes that I've been in, and my family included, they drink wine. And you guys added that you can't have any alcohol. Okay, yeah, well, that was put in there a long time ago. Okay, you want me to take this step? Take it out. Right? That was just a matter of fact in the Southern Baptist Church. Well, we can't do that. Well, then I can't take that step. Get the Cal Baptist. <clears throat> very similar situation. I'm senior class president. 
Loved it, got to spend a lot of money because we had to get rid of it that year. They wanted us midway through in January. I'm senior class president all the way through. So starting in August, because nobody wanted that position, I said, spend money? Yeah, I can do that. On the contract, it says, you cannot drink alcohol. Again, that same thing came up. Got called into the dean's office. You're not signing that contract. Why not? Because what's the meaning behind it? For you, I said, I go home. I'm 26 years old. I want to have a drink with my family. Not getting drunk, but maybe something, a glass of wine or something. What's the problem? That's not, okay, that's what this says, but for you, we'll make an exception. Okay, as long as I know what I'm signing means this, and you know what I mean, that's what this verse, don't add to or take away from, is the problem with some of what we've done, with some of God's word, when we add to or take away from. So I was able to sign, I was able to take steps, I was glad to find a disciple center where we say, if you don't want wine, you can have grape juice, right? And we make sure that we are following God's word to, to what it says. So I just wanted to add that about that passage. Off of my soapbox, we get back to chapter or verse 3. Your eyes have seen the Lord. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Belpeor. That's where they're at. Your eyes. Silas, your eyes. Darissa, your eyes. If you're with them now, your grandfathers, your fathers have passed away. But your eyes saw... For all the men who follow Belpior, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. Your eyes, people, you came through. Your fathers were scared to go up against Belpior. Because they were too big. Moses is telling the people, Your eyes have seen and delivered you into this land. Wow. Your fathers didn't believe. They wouldn't even go forward. They said, This land has good fruit, but they're too big. Your eyes have seen. And Moses is reminding them of that. Verse 6. In 5, he also talks about you You follow the ways of God, the commands of Him. Why? Because in 6. So keep and do God, my, God's word, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God, whenever we call on Him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as the whole law which I am setting before you today? Listen, do this, the nations will say, Wow, who has a God like this? I was in a class this week with Rabbi Fisher, and he pointed to this passage, and he He kept talking about it. He said, this will teach the nations your wisdom. 
before, and when Solomon practiced all of God's wisdom, what happened? The nations came from everywhere to see what God's temple looked like. And Solomon's wisdom, when he followed God, was known among everyone. Pretty amazing. That's what, it's just, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about this, but I will in Deuteronomy 5. Why would we do away with everything? This is nuts! It's to show wisdom to the nations, to all of God's people. Alright, back on 8 or 9. Only give heed to yourselves and keep your soul diligently, so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Why? Why keep them so close to your heart? Why remember what you saw? Because that, that in and of itself, when we didn't think we could enter the land, that will keep you humble. Because God did it. Did you do it? No. God did it. That's why Moses is talking to him like that. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Huh. Moses is talking. Is he talking? Nope. The parents are dead. He's talking to the children that still experience this. Have you experienced something and seen how God got you through? Are you remembering that time? Are you telling your children about that? I carry on the light, the stories, the, the fellowship of my grandfather and what he told me to my children. And it humbles me. We've got to keep those stories going. We've got to tell these stories of what God did for Israel to our children like it was our own history, we, which means we have to know the, the Word of God. It says in verse 11, You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness and cloud and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. Now, imagine this. You know me. I like to give you visuals. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to read you the next few verses behind this. But imagine you're there and you don't see anything but cloud and thunder, but you're hearing a voice. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard a sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. He wrote them on two tablets of stone. The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make graven images 
like you did with that calf. For yourselves in the form of any figure that you did not see, the likeness of male or female that you did not see, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth that you did not see, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky you did not see, and the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground you did not see, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth you did not see. And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, and be drawn away and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. You did not see it. You only saw a mist. You only saw thunder and lightning. But they made a graven image because they wanted to see something. This is this context in Deuteronomy 4. It keys on the image because they wanted to see something. They wanted to see something and worship something they could see. How many of us ask God for something that we can see? We all do at times. God, heal my mother. God, do this for us and I'll know that you are God. We always ask. And this whole chapter talks about an image. But they didn't see an image when he was talking. They heard a voice. We've got to watch what we're asking for. Even Jesus warns in his time. You ask for for miracles and signs. But blessed are those who believe but have not seen. So, it goes on to say, And beware not to lift up your eyes. Okay, I got to that. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for His own possession as today. It's talking about bringing them through and what they've seen. This is identifying the people before them. Now the Lord was angry with me. Oh, this is, I, this is my favorite part. Moses, get this. I love listening to past pastors and um, rabbis about this. And then I interweave some of my mental health into this. Moses, at this point, he's giving the final addresses to, to the people, to the children of those, right, that were brought through. And he's still blaming the people and not taking ownership of his own deeds. In therapy, we will always say, you have to own what you did yourself. Look, right here, 21. Now the Lord was angry with me on, not my account, on your account. And swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land, and I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. Wow, Moses, you're full of yourself, and you still don't get it. He told you to talk to the rock, but yet you struck it not once, but twice. And he's still saying, you caused me to do that. Moses, very righteous man. That's why these writings are in here. I don't want to speak against him, but I would love to talk to him and do a little therapy, and he'd probably tell me to shut up and get aside. 
You don't know what you're talking about. But I was frustrated for the people, so I don't get to go in. But the amazing thing is, God didn't tell the people go in without Moses teaching them and showing them and being with them to deliver some of the land already to them. He's still their training wheels, if you will. He's still their papa. We all need that support from our fathers. All right, 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I know this is one thing that I was listening to Dr. Stokes where he preached before and he taught on this. We think of today that jealousy is a bad thing. But we teach, I I will teach my children, if you love something and something is going to get in your way, jealousy is a good thing. God is a jealous God and that is a good attribute if you are truly loving something and something tries to get in that way. It can become bad if that's the only thing that gets it your focus, but at the same time, jealousy is a good thing. And this is what God is saying. He is a jealous God, a consuming fire. He will fight for us. And that jealousy is a good thing. When you become the father of children and children's children and have remained long in the land and act corruptly, he's about to foretell what's going to happen. And wait, we're going back to idols here. And make an idol in the form of anything and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, provoke him to jealousy. I call, I, talking to you, call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it but will be utterly destroyed. So I'm going to give this to you, but I'm telling you, the generations after you, when you when they don't listen, and you've taught them not to follow my words, and they don't humble themselves, they're going to make idols, and I'm going to get rid of them. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples. You will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. There you will serve God's. You will serve these idols that you made, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which you did not see, right? Which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. So all these graven images, they don't do anything, but you're going to worship them. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you, so in other words, I'm going to get rid of you because of all these idols. But what happens next? is at the heart of Israel and at the heart of the relationship between him, between God and Israel. When you, but from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him and you search for him when, with all your heart and with all your soul. Pretty humbling. Pretty humbling. To go from, we got this land, we're big people, yep, that's the way it is. No, they didn't go in there like that. They said, God, you tell us, can we go up? Can we get this land? Yes. Go get them. That generation stayed humble, is my guess. The generations after them. If we start to do away, we'll talk about that in a minute. We start to do away with the little of it. And we peel it off here. We peel it off there. They get a little haughty and they think, this is our land. But if you humble yourselves and you come back before him, He will bring you back to His ways. When you are in distress, 
and all these things have come upon you. In the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to His voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which He swore to them. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing? Or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials? By signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm and by great terrors? As the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your own eyes. Has this ever happened? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, He is God. There is no other beside Him. To you it was shown that He was God. Out of the heavens He let you hear His voice to discipline you. On earth, he let you see his great fire. They were led through the wilderness by fire at night. You heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power. Driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you. To bring you and to give you their land from an inheritance as it is today. Today. Know therefore today and take it to your heart that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep His statutes and His commandments which I am giving you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you. And that you may live long. You may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Do these things. You will stay in the land. Don't do these things and you will be wiped out of the land. Going back to the Southern Baptist ways. I have talked with families over and over about what's it mean to be one of God's people? What's it mean? How do we follow Him? And they never bring up the Torah. They never bring up following His commands because we live by grace alone. When I started here and I started to dive into it and I started to apply God's Word and not to do certain things, I wanted a tattoo. I did. Who doesn't want a tattoo? Especially in this day and age. I know, there's a few of you that don't. I wanted one. I had to drawn it all up. I just didn't have the money to go get it. Then I started Disciple Center. Great. Can't get a tattoo. Talked to another family. And they're saying, well, tattoos can be used for God's glory and this and that. And I said, well, what about that passage? You can't get tattoos. Well, 
I had the children listening to me, and then one of the parents butted into our conversations and said, well, we, we all worship God differently. And if that's what you choose, then you, you can use God's word that's tattooed on your arms or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get anywhere because the parents are saying this. They did away with some of this. Guess what happened a few years later? Their children started to walk away. You do away with some of it and it gets easier to walk away from God. You don't show fear of God to your children in what you do. They won't be, they won't be fearful of Him either. And I think that's what the church has done. We've done away with fear and only walk in grace. We have both. We have to show both to our children. Because I'm fearful. My children are fearful of me at this age. They're five and three. And the other one is six months. So she's not fearful, but she does whatever. But we have to show that gentle balance. God's mercy is there for us. Don't do away with these. How do you apply them? And how do you show your children you're taking God's word seriously? Because we don't want them peeling off scriptures from their life. And before we know it, our grandchildren aren't following in His ways. Alright. One of the statutes, picking back up in verse um, 40, I believe. So you show... Okay, 41. Then Moses set apart three cities across the Jordan to the east, that a manslayer might flee there, who unintentionally slew his neighbor without having enmity toward him in the time past, and by fleeing to one of these cities he might live, Bezir in the wilderness on the plateau for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Galid for the Gadites, and Golan in the Bashan for the Manasites. Forgive me if I didn't pronounce those right. Now, this is the law which Moses set before the sons of Israel. Okay, so, get this. Randy and I, I'm helping him, right? And for some reason, the, I didn't stabilize the ladder. He falls and he dies. I would be fearful. Silas would hate me. He would build, right? And he might kill me. But God said, here is some mercy sites. I didn't intentionally kill Randy. I'm going to flee there. Because Silas can't come there and kill me, and I can be heard there, but it's over a period of time. That is mercy. God is showing mercy, giving those sights to people that can flee there. Because if you've ever had a relative that actually was killed, it festers. It really does. And not only that, the person that accidentally killed somebody... It's a burden on them. They have to carry all their life. So if they have to move, if they have to flee to another place, that is some repentance. Because you have to put behind everything that you already knew too to go to this other place. So it's showing some remorse. It's showing some ways. And God sets aside that land for that purpose. All right, 44. Now this is the law which Moses set before the sons of Israel, 
These are the testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances which Moses spoke to the sons of Israel when they came out from Egypt, across the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Peor. So he's talking about it here. In the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the sons of Israel defeated when they came out from Egypt. They took possession of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites who were across the Jordan to the east from Arior, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, even as far as Mount Sihon, that is Hermon, with all the Arabah across the Jordan to the east, even as far as the Sea of the Arabah, at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah. He identifies who he's talking to there, which is not the people that came out of Egypt, right? Not the adults, but the children who are now adults and the land has been been delivered to them in these last passages. In Deuteronomy 5 and moving forward, we're going to be reviewing what some of those statutes and those commands were. And this will expand in how we can apply these statutes and these commands to our lives if we take them to heart and we show our children. Because as we put them to work in our lives... I believe we will be humble, we will glorify the Lord, and the light of His covenant that is through His Son will shine even brighter. Because Jesus did not come to get rid of it, but He came to set it as a goal and He showed us how to live it. So today, let's go to the Lord in prayer and know that we are to be humble in our hearts. Father, we come before you.